Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Even at my age, I have recurring nightmares about the house. It was a Christmas holiday that took a horrific turn. It just was so vicious. Ivan Darling was found dead in his Gettysburg home. You know, we went from normal thinking we were going to have Christmas festivities to, you know, standing outside a murder scene. A tragic mystery, 36 years later. By all accounts, I think he was, he was an elderly gentleman, lived alone. A 79-year-old man stabbed to death in his own home. It was a significant number of times. His death wasn't discovered for days. It was horrible. Who would kill an elderly man? I just want to understand why. I would not rule out the possibility that Mr. Darling knew the person involved. And what do police know about who the killer might be? It's like having a black cloud over you for your whole life. This is Unsolved in PA. Hi, I'm Jessica Babb, an investigative reporter for CBS 21 News. The 1986 death of Ivan Darling has been ruled a homicide. Investigators say he was stabbed in his own home in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. His family members discovered he was dead when they went to his house to pick him up for Christmas dinner. They say the holiday turned horrific. So what happened and why would someone want an elderly man dead? I'm taking you to Gettysburg where this mystery begins. In this week's episode, Murder on York Street, the Christmas death of Ivan Darling. Driving down US-15 in Adams County to the southern part of Pennsylvania, not long before you leave the state, you'll hit Gettysburg. It's a small borough of about 7,000 people, known for its history. The Battle of Gettysburg was fought in 1863. It was a turning point in the Civil War. Now you can relive that period through museums, touring the battlefields, and getting a glimpse of what life was like back then. Most of the buildings in the downtown area are historic and are still standing after 150 years. Aside from tourists, the town is cute. Full disclaimer, I might be a bit biased because I live there now. It's got your small town vibe, but there's still plenty going on. People are friendly, the restaurants are delicious, and the community feels safe. I've talked with people who at times still leave their house unlocked. And if you like Christmas, Gettysburg is the place to be. That time of year, businesses, homes, and buildings downtown are decked out in decorations. When you go into the town square, you see lights and a massive Christmas tree sitting in the center. It makes you feel like you're in a quintessential small town rom-com. But between the history and the decorations this time of year, as you drive into town from Highway 15 onto York Street, Ivan Darling's home is easy to miss. Sitting on a busy street, you'd pass right by it unless you were looking for it. 
And it's at this home where this Christmas mystery starts. We just, we remember him very fondly. Decades later, Ivan Darling's family hasn't forgotten him. He was just a very good person, and I think he, he thought of us as his grandchildren, even though biologically we, we were not. Um, and he thought of my dad clearly as his son. He called him Bud. That was my dad's nickname to everyone. Jennifer Rollo is Ivan's step-granddaughter. Sitting at her dining room table, she introduced me to the man she remembers as a kid. He was married to my grandmother. Um, they got married when um, they were both about 41, I think. Um, my father uh, was my, my grandmother's um, son from her prior marriage, and uh, they got married in 1949. Um, they lived in Gettysburg. I think Ivan had come from New York, and I believe they met, they worked together at um, a furniture factory that was in Gettysburg. And uh, I just remember him as being a very quiet man. He was very, um, very low key. He was extremely neat and tidy. Um, he was very faithful to my grandmother. She says her grandmother was the love of his life. In a picture she showed me, you can see the couple standing together, smiling. They were all dressed up in fancy clothes, and Ivan's arm was wrapped around her waist. They were married for more than 30 years. Um, my grandmother uh, suffered a hemorrhagic stroke about um, five years before Ivan was murdered, and she was um, briefly uh, able to, to speak and then had surgery to have a, a shunt put in her brain um, to reduce the swelling. And um, after that happened, uh, she wasn't able to speak any longer. Um, but uh, she had asked my dad to, to take care of Ivan for her. And so my dad took that to heart and he really did. Ivan was 79 years old and was an elderly man who lived a seemingly simple life. He was you know, very quiet, um, kind of introverted. He wasn't a big person. He, he was um, probably about my height, and he was very slight. Um, he, sorry, very neat, tidy. He, he liked to, um, you know, he always wore a hat when he went out. Aside from his round glasses and strong facial features, Jennifer says he had a heart of gold. He would buy toys for us. Um, he didn't have much money, but he would buy like slinkies and things like that. And we would go to see him all the time. Um, we'd see him on holidays. My brother remembered that his school was collecting um, Campbell soup labels to, to buy equipment for the school. And Ivan made a point of eating Campbell's soup every day. And he would collect the, um, the labels and get huge amounts of labels. And my brother ended up being um, one, of the, one of the heavy, heavy label producers for his class. He was just a very decent person, a decent person, hardworking. Um, he didn't have a lot of money. He was um, just a, a decent, hardworking man. He was very faithful to his wife. He was somebody who went every day for four years to the nursing home to visit his wife. 
um, who couldn't speak, who couldn't um, walk. The Gettysburg Times reported that neighbors said Ivan lived a quiet but independent lifestyle. Neighbors remembered him as a thin, friendly man who would take the time to stop and talk to people on the streets. But one neighbor said he had expressed concerns about his vision and was worried he might lose his driver's license. He had a number of different friends that he would go and have meals with and visit with. So we would um, go together. My dad would take him to doctor's appointments and things like that. Um, so we would, you know, go and spend time with him. Um, holidays, he always came either to our house or we would go to Gettysburg for holidays. Um, you know, it was that kind of family, sort of family relationship. Ivan lived alone in a two-story home off York Street. It's a good-sized home in Gettysburg, with a big front porch that overlooks the cars passing through York Street, getting a glimpse of a lot of the traffic in and out of Gettysburg. It wasn't far from the furniture plant. I believe he lived there probably since maybe a little before he had married my grandmother, so I'm guessing they got married in 1949, so I'm guessing maybe 1946 or so. But she says the horror that happened inside that home changed everything. It's Christmas Day in 1986. The weather was about 40 degrees. It was a brisk winter day. That morning, Jennifer and her family were gearing up for a day full of holiday festivities. We were supposed to um, go and pick him up uh, for Christmas, um, and we were going to take him to um, the Holiday Inn in Gettysburg. There weren't many places to have meals at that point, and we were going to take him to the buffet for Christmas dinner. We had been trying to reach him. My dad had talked to him a ways before, so he knew that we were gonna do this, um, but he was hard to reach, usually. They thought this was one of those days. Back then, it was called a party line, so it was like multiple people would use the same phone line, and my dad had been calling and calling. We never dreamed that this was what the reason was. We thought he was just out or busy. But when it was time for them to get on the road to come visit him, it was Christmas um, morning, and we still hadn't been able to reach him. We had the presents all packed and everything ready to go. And my dad uh, called the, one of the neighbors who had been close to my grandmother and asked to go and knock on the door and tell him what time we were coming. And then the neighbor went and found him. Only that neighbor never knew what was coming. They soon discovered Ivan Darling was dead called my bad dad back and he was distraught and we told him to call the police immediately. When your family, your dad and you know you all first got wind that something had happened even before you got to the scene, what was going through your mind? Um I think it was just kind of shock, frankly. I mean it was shock. I mean he he was just, you know, we just couldn't believe that someone would do this to him. You know, we went from normal thinking we were going to have Christmas festivities to, you know, standing outside a murder scene. Jennifer says she was just a teenager at the time. 
but says this moment is forever written in her mind. We immediately then left home um, to go to Gettysburg. Um, we live about an hour away, so we immediately drove up there. And um, my parents went to the house, and they asked my brother and I to stay in the car, and they went around to the front of the house. She says parking was in the back of the house. If you remember, that's because the home is right off a busy street. My brother and I stayed in the car and it seemed like it was forever. I'm guessing it was probably an hour or two, maybe. It was very cold that day, I remember that. Jennifer says she remembers the chill from that eerie Christmas day. A chill that wasn't just from the weather. We waited and waited and we were scared. I mean, we were kids. We thought maybe something had happened to our parents. And, you know, I was thinking, I was the oldest, and I was thinking I had to keep my brother safe. So after a period of time, she says they couldn't take it anymore and finally got out of the car. I mean, it was just, it was, it was pretty shocking, pretty horrifying. Um, we were standing in front of the house, like by the porch, and every door and window was like open in the house. And there were all these people walking in and out of the house, the, the police. I remember you could smell the smell. And um, somebody then, I guess, eventually noticed we were standing there. And then they must have told my parents because then our parents came outside. Walking us through these vivid memories, our interview was emotional. At times, Jennifer was getting choked up and her eyes even started tearing up. Jennifer says she remembers a strong smell. How would you describe that smell? It was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. Inside the home he loved, Ivan was stabbed. His death was ruled a homicide. Back then, the Gettysburg Times reported that the neighbor found the kitchen door ajar and Ivan laying in the living room. The uh, cause of death was determined as to be uh, hemorrhaging as a result of puncture wounds. It was a significant number of times. While he was found on Christmas Day, the Gettysburg Times reported that his time of death was actually around December 21st or December 22nd meaning he'd been dead at his house for days. It was reported early on his body had already started decomposing. If you could just describe this crime in a couple of words, what would you say? So we were very fearful, very fearful, um, because, you know, obviously they, they didn't know who had done this. And, you know, he was such a, a, a quiet, you know, quiet-mannered person. I can't imagine somebody doing this to him. And it just was so vicious. And we felt like we were just extremely fearful. We felt like we didn't know. It's possible that they could have come after us next. So my parents um, were very careful to keep um, everything out of the media. She says a place that was once filled with happy memories for her family became a place of fear. The place where Ivan's body was found, my brother and I used to play with cars there. Um, and it, it feels like our whole childhood was robbed from us with relation to that house. Um, I have still 
that even at my age, I have recurring nightmares about the house. My dad was, was devastated by this because he had promised my grandmother that he would take care of Ivan. I sat down with Gettysburg Police Chief Robert Glennie Jr. and Wade Lauer, a detective with the Adams County District Attorney's Office. They're now taking a renewed look at this decades-old case. So what was he stabbed with? Was it a knife or a different kind of object? That's part of the investigation we would want to hold to us at this point. It's important piece of information that, that we wouldn't necessarily want to put out to the public. You'll hear investigators say that a lot. There were a lot of details about this case they wouldn't tell me. Here's why. The, the drilled down details mm -hmm. are things that we usually keep mm -hmm. to ourselves only because the, the actor, the perpetrator, those the answer to those questions right. as well. So if we get somebody, and, and you know, it doesn't happen that often, but you see these copycat type things or somebody coming and saying, I did this type thing we know and, and can kind of drill down a little more if if there's details that aren't released that these people are telling us. So it's not that we don't want to tell you, it's just an investigative tool that we try to try to use. They say they've been combing through old reports and have gone back to talk with other officers who were part of the investigation back then. They say Gettysburg Police, Pennsylvania State Police, and the FBI all worked on the case. It, it was actually a pretty broad investigation, um, pretty thorough investigation, but here we are quite a few years later, and we still want to try and find a solution to this question. Do you have any idea what the motive might have been in this case? I, I'd be willing to, to say that we believe that the motive was robbery. Was anything taken from the home that day? Again, I would defer to, there were some things taken, but I would prefer to keep that as part of the investigative. But what we do know is several reports from the Gettysburg Times after Ivan's death say cash and personal items were missing from his home. More specifically, they reported a watch and a cigar box of assorted coins were stolen, but nothing else appeared to be missing or disturbed. The coins were said to be pre and post World War II. They consisted of steel pennies, mercury dimes, and buffalo nickels that were never found items that are extremely specific. Do you think this was targeted? I would not rule out the possibility that Mr. Darling knew the person involved. In fact, early on in the investigation, decades ago, a Gettysburg police investigator told the Gettysburg Times, quote, we feel Mr. Darling knew his attacker and that their relationship may have been more than a passing one, end quote but they continue to say they never found any possible enemies. They also reported that early on, investigators said they didn't find bloody handprints or fingerprints at the crime scene, and there were no signs of a struggle. They believe the person who did it may have even cleaned up before leaving. I don't think, as Wade said, I don't think this was a random killer that, that hit the area. But, you know, I, I don't think we can say for sure that, that he knew the person involved, but it's, there was no forced entry into Ivan's home. But that does not rule out the possibility that somebody could have just opened a door. But remember, sometimes in Gettysburg, people leave their door unlocked. It's one possibility. The Gettysburg Times reported that none of his neighbors noticed anything suspicious. And have there been any suspects in this case at all? There's always suspects in any case when you talk to people and, and, and are diligent. Um, there's certainly 
some things that we would keep an open mind as to possible suspects in these cases and we're going to continue to follow up and talk to people and see if we can develop those further. Once again, news clippings from the Gettysburg Times from decades ago say there was one suspect early on in the case, but there wasn't enough evidence to warrant an arrest. It was reported police focused their investigation on an individual who left the area under false pretenses, but they were never able to link that person to the crime. And every once in a while, they would reach out and tell us that they had, you know, potential suspect, but nothing ever panned out. I mean, as an elderly man, he probably had a pretty set routine um, of things that he often would do. I know my grandparents do. Um, do you think this might have been a person who knew his routine or knew when he might be alone or anything like that? I think that that's a distinct possibility, but I don't, you know, I, I don't think at this juncture we can say one way or the other. Okay. I mean, I'm sure everybody, you know, locally knew he lived alone. I mean, he was very, like, not not that I know of, of you know, anything that he was involved in. I mean, he was just very, um, he was per a person that, like, lived by pattern. Um, he would go while my grandmother was still alive. Um, she died in 1985. And she would, he would go every day to the nursing home to visit my grandmother. My dad went also, so they would see each other there. And... Um, you know, that was kind of his, his, his life. Um, then after she passed away, he started um, dating someone. And that was like, I don't know, maybe about four or five months before he, he died. Um, but yeah, I don't think so. I mean, there's just, he just was very quiet, very, you know, insular life. Remember how investigators said he liked going out to restaurants? The Gettysburg Times reported after Ivan's death, someone came forward saying Ivan was last seen alive a few days before at a Sunny Ray's restaurant with a young couple. But police were never able to track down that lead and find the couple. Yeah, so I mean that was one thing that we all, it always bothered um, my parents that he had had a standing um, date with um, the woman he was dating and you know, he had missed, I believe, at least one of the standing dates by the time of his death. And we just thought it was very odd that she hadn't, you know, been concerned about that or alerted to that in any way. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. So was this the crime of opportunity, or was the person who killed him looking for something specific? I'm hoping to find out who did this. That's what I'm hoping. I mean, I, I, I guess you'll probably, we'll probably never know why, but the best thing that I can hope for is to know who did it. I think it would really, it would help a lot for my brother and I, I think. Um, Maybe we might be able to kind of understand it, maybe.
But what we do know is it wasn't the first time Ivan Darling's stuff was stolen. Think back to what investigators back then said was taken. A watch and World War II-era coins. Very specific items. Well, years before the murder, the Gettysburg Times reported a night watchman at the Gettysburg Furniture Factory, where he worked, reported that someone had stolen a radio owned by Ivan Darling from the boiler room. But listen to this. In March of 1984, two years before Ivan died, police were investigating a burglary at Ivan Darling's home. They said someone entered and removed an undetermined amount of cash and personal papers. Again, more very specific items. Investigators say no arrests were made in the 1984 burglary, and they're considering a possible connection. He deserved better than this, Ivan. He deserved more. You know, he deserved to have had a long life. We would have helped him. We would have taken care of him. Um, he, he was very poor. He didn't have much money. I can't understand why someone would do this to him. I really can't. He was such a, a quiet, mild-mannered person. And I feel like knowing um, who did this would help us. It would help us feel safer, maybe, also. Not to mention, it's not good that there's a crazy violent killer out there that could hurt somebody else. Ivan's family owned the house for years after he died. Jennifer says her dad didn't want to sell it. Because he felt like maybe there was still something in the house that the police had missed or something like that. So um, he was adamant about that. And my dad, unfortunately, he, um, he was diagnosed with dementia before he passed away, um, probably about, I guess, about six years ago, seven years ago. And we, to honor his wishes, we didn't, we didn't sell the house until after he passed away. We hadn't been inside the home for all those years until um, we, we did sell the house last year. And we went into the kitchen um, to take a few things from the house. And I just, I couldn't, my brother and I too, we just couldn't go any further into the house. It was just too, it was too horrible thinking they'd one day find answers. And it was always my hope that, you know, my parents would be given the, the peace and solace to at least know um, who did this. I think it would given us a lot of peace, um, but unfortunately that, that didn't happen. Again, who would want to target a 79-year-old man living a simple life? And what would someone want with a watch and coins? Well, here's something interesting that came up as I was digging into this case. An obituary online says Ivan's stepson, who has since passed away, was a retired senior intelligence officer with the CIA clandestine service. He joined the CIA after serving with the US Navy. The obituary says he was working in intelligence. A neighbor who lives next door to Ivan Darling's home now says they came across tons of documents, photos, and other mementos from his stepson, things that were in Ivan's house. They came across them when they were helping to clean up the house after it sold. 
I saw them for myself. I saw a memo from the Army, his separation papers from the Navy, in addition to loads of other paperwork, including random things like an order form for a book. I also saw pictures that appear to be taken in different countries. Again, this was Ivan's stepson's stuff, not Ivan's. But I did ask investigators if there was any connection. While investigators did take items from Ivan's home early on in the case, when asked about these specific documents, Chief Robert Glenny said they went through the vents and other out-of-the-way areas in Ivan's home before it sold and before evidentiary value was lost, but says they didn't go through any of those records. So it's not clear if they have any connection to the case. I would describe living with this for 35 years. It's like having a black cloud over you for your whole life. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was only 17 when this happened and my brother was um, four years younger. And it's kind of like we've just kind of lived with the trauma of it. It's never really that far from the surface. I mean, you go on with your life as best as you can. Um, sorry. <laughs> but, you know, it's always there. Could an arrest be on the horizon? Well, investigators hope so. I would say that, that DNA would be one of our primary uh, hopes of, of trying to find some additional leads, but uh, anything that would be available in addition to that, we would certainly explore. The other thing I want to mention is, in addition to the evidence, uh, our hope would be that possibly someone who was reluctant uh, 36 years ago to come forward might be willing to come forward now and provide us information that we didn't have. Again, one of the most significant challenges now is that so many people have passed. Um, his contemporaries would be most of them gone. I mean, Mr. Darling was 79, so people who would have been friends that might have been a resource are gone. But the one thing they do have on their side, technology. Advancements in DNA technology could give them the answers they need. Now, uh, I would pose again in 1986, DNA, I, I, it was in its very infancy, uh, if at all practiced. You know, we, we owe it to the victims and the victims' families to try to solve these cases because the, the capability may be out there now. 30 years later, is that DNA still viable or does it degrade over time? It, it can degrade and it's certainly something we'll let the lab take a look at and try and make a decision on. If the, uh, the perpetrator is, is deceased, I mean, it, it's been several years ago, you know, at least Maybe some of the family, friends, people that knew him can, can get some closure as to, to why somebody took his life. One of the most heartbreaking things to me is that, you know, as poor as Ivan was, he had scrimped and saved to buy a tombstone for my grandmother. And my dad had said, I'll, I'll take care of it. And Ivan was adamant that he wanted to do it himself. So he saved up for it and he had put all the money down and he was murdered before he ever got to see it. 
if this person who did this is still out there, what would you want to tell them? Um, I would, wow. <laughs> I guess I would say that you really need to come forward and, and be honest and, and say what you did, that there's still people that loved Ivan and cared about him. If you know anything, reach out to investigators. Call Gettysburg Police at 717-334-8101 or reach out to Adams County Detectives in the District Attorney's Office at 717-337-9840. Once again, I'm Jessica Babb with CBS 21 News in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. In addition to hosting this podcast, I also wrote, produced, and edited it. So if you like what you heard, let me know and leave a review. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time.